Welcome to Beside the Burn for Thursday the 10th of February. We're continuing in Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, and today it's verses 24 to 30 as we continue to look at the interpretation that Daniel is giving to Nebuchadnezzar about the dream. And we now come to the point today where Daniel is talking about what the uh, watcher or the messenger uh, is saying. So Daniel gives uh, this interpretation and he makes it very clear in verse 24 that although this message is coming from the watcher or maybe messenger in your translation, uh, these words are actually the words of God Most High. So this is what Daniel says, this is the interpretation, O King. It is a decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King. So it's come from the Most High, and this is very clear. It's not just a, a messenger that's come with us from anywhere. It is God Most High, and Nebuchadnezzar must understand this. And what does they say? That you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. This is a real turnaround for Nebuchadnezzar. He is going to be out of the royal palace. He's going, that's where his dwelling is, is going to be outside. It's going to be with the beasts of the field. And he's going to be eating grass. I mean, this is the deepest humiliation for Nebuchadnezzar, who at the point before he has this dream is a great and mighty king. Everyone looks up to him, whereas now people are going to pity him. And his power, his authority is going to disappear because they're going to look at him and just see him in the field like an animal and think that he has he's nothing special. He has no power that they need be afraid of. It's going to last uh, for uh, seven periods of time, probably years, but we're, they're not defined here, but it would almost seem to be years that we're mentioning. So this is a long time. Uh, because after all, as as we'll find out, his hair and um, his nails grow. So it has to be a considerable uh, length of time. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to be able to do nothing to speed up this process. It's going to take seven periods of time. And that's the length of time it's going to take. So Nebuchadnezzar, with all his power and money and um, military might, is not going to be able to force God to speed this through. He's just going to have to accept it and he's going to have to move at God's pace. And that's a, a lesson for any of us. We cannot force God. We cannot speed God up. We need to accept God's timing in all that we do. God is in control and he is exercising his control over Nebuchadnezzar and he is showing Nebuchadnezzar that he is in charge. Verses 26 and 27. As it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. So this is the hope that there is. This stump that we've mentioned is going to be left. So there's the possibility of new growth again. Nebuchadnezzar, although he's been laid low, has not been completely destroyed. 
So there's hope for Nebuchadnezzar. There's hope for the kingdom. The stump means growing back. But when is it going to happen? Well, it's only going to happen when you know that heaven rules. So although there's a set period of time involved in all of this, it's dependent on Nebuchadnezzar coming to realise who is in control, coming to realise that heaven rules over him, that heaven rules over Babylon, that heaven rules over the whole earth. And these titles that Nebuchadnezzar had claimed for himself are really false titles because heaven is the one that rules. So once he realises that heaven rules, then he will be able to uh, come back again. His kingdom shall be confirmed for him. It's still there and he'll be able to take it once again. So his dominion, his power, his authority haven't been removed forever. And indeed, as we'll see at the end, he actually increases his kingdom at the end of this. So God blesses him. Then into verse 27, what is Nebuchadnezzar to do? Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel brings advice. He brings uh, counsel to Nebuchadnezzar. And he's, I suppose, a little bit frightened about bringing this particular advice to Nebuchadnezzar because he's basically accusing Nebuchadnezzar of doing the wrong thing and he needs to change his ways to do the right thing. So therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Look, I'm going to tell you some unpleasant stuff here, O king, and I pray that you'll accept it in the spirit that it's offered because this is your only way out. There's only one way out. And this message that Daniel brings to Nebuchadnezzar is a message that needs to be brought to each one of us. There is only one way to live our lives. There's only one way to get out of whatever mess we're in. And that is to stop sinning. He's to break off his sins. And instead of sinning, he's to practice righteousness. And he is to break off his iniquities. And he's to show mercy to the oppressed. Now, this is not what Nebuchadnezzar does. This is not what he is known for. In fact, this is the opposite of anything that we have seen from Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's offering him a real way out, but Nebuchadnezzar isn't going to accept it until much later down the line. This is going against Nebuchadnezzar's nature, his plans. He would see it as a weakness to stop the sinning and to show mercy. This is a man who, at the drop of a hat, will just command all his wise men, all his closest associates, to be killed. Why is he going to start showing mercy? That's going to look like weakness. But that's his only way out. And Jesus is the contrast because Jesus talks about 
a large tree whenever he is teaching. He, but that large tree that Jesus talks about that we've mentioned before comes from a tiny mustard seed. And the seed is planted and the tree grows large and the tree is the kingdom of heaven. And it's in contrast to Nebuchadnezzar being a tree that's going to be cut down. And Jesus is righteous, unlike Nebuchadnezzar. And Jesus is righteous, just like Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar to be. But then suddenly the perspective changes because up until this point, Nebuchadnezzar has been speaking personally. He's been giving his testimony. But now we're going to find out the fulfillment of the dream. And from talking about himself, we now have an account looking at Nebuchadnezzar from the third person rather than the first person. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. See the difference now? He's not talking personally anymore. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? So here is Nebuchadnezzar. Probably this account is being given now about Nebuchadnezzar because if he was having this severe episode of becoming like an animal, then these things would be a very distant memory. He wouldn't really have a clear thought of how it all happened. And therefore the account's being given and he's being told what happened to him. Now, it's interesting that what's about to happen only happens at the end of 12 months. So Nebuchadnezzar has been given time to change. God is patient with him. God gives him time to repent of his sin. But Nebuchadnezzar's not ready to repent yet. He's not ready to break off the um, righteousness yet. So Instead, he just goes about his business and instead of thinking about the God Most High and realising that heaven should reign because Daniel has told him all these things, he's just simply walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He's there in his splendour and his riches and he's looking at all that he surveys around him and he's asking this question of himself, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power? He's, he's all about himself and his achievements and his royal residence and the glory of his majesty rather than the glory of God. And he's probably at this stage looking out on the hanging gardens of Babylon. Uh, do you remember that um, one of those seven wonders of the ancient world? that he had created these wonderful gardens that everyone in the world was was talking about and has been handed down over the years almost as a, as a legend of something brilliant. And yet here it is, one of the seven wonders of the world. And he has all this pride in all of his achievements. And as we know, pride comes before a fall. I have built by my mighty power. And he has heard God's word 
and he has not responded. And those two, those few verses there are not really a, a lesson and then a description of today's world where we so easily get caught up in our own achievements and our own plans and we forget that God's the one who's in control. We survey our own achievements and we survey our own skills and we forget that God rules. So let's come to God in prayer today. Lord God Almighty, Forgive us today, we ask of you, whenever we allow our pride and our own achievements to cloud our view of you. Forgive us, Lord, whenever we are so caught up with ourselves and our own achievements that we forget, Lord. We only have what we have because you have graciously given it to us. Help us, Lord, not to puff ourselves up but help us instead to come humbly before you and to bow at your cross that we might break off our sin, that we might break off our iniquities, that we might come with righteousness, that we might show mercy to the oppressed and that we might follow you. Amen.